0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. I invite you to stand on your feet for listening to a reading from God's Word from Romans chapter 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you will be able to discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, That God has assigned for as in one body we have many members and do not all the members have they don't have the same function so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members of one another for we have gifts that differ according to the grace that's given to us prophecy and proportion to faith ministry and ministering the teacher and teaching the exhorter in exhortation the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what's evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we pray, we beg of you today that your word come not simply in sounds, syllables, and echoes, but that it will come with power, with full conviction, and with your Holy Spirit. This is our prayer through Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Let the church say... Amen. You can be seated. Well, welcome to First. We're so glad that you're here. It's great to see those that are coming by, visiting with us, as well as friends. And we welcome those that are online, that are joining us in this room today. Welcome, one and all. We're simply a group of people that follow Jesus. That's our mission, those two words, follow Jesus. And we invite you, whoever you are, into this journey of following Jesus with us. Well, earlier this year I had to take over my grandmother's phone. Kids, someday you're going to have to take over your parents' phone, believe it or not. Someday you'll even have to take over your grandparents' phones. Now the reason I had to take over her phone is not so great. She had passed away. So I have this dead woman's phone and I get lots of interesting phone calls. None more interesting than just a few days after I'd taken over her phone, a call that said, I'm trying to reach Irma. I was like, okay, because I kind of have to play off that anything about it. You've won. You've won a million dollars from Publisher's Clearinghouse. I was like, oh, okay, really? Oh, yeah. All you need to do is to present the letter that we sent to you. We'll be showing up at your door tomorrow at this time, and you have that letter. And I said, well, I don't have this letter. In fact, my grandmother has died. They're like, that's okay. You have the last, same last name, right? Yes. Okay, well, all you have to do, since you don't have the letter, is go and buy a gift card at CVS or Walgreens. Okay, you figured it out, right? And so I said, do you like your job? Do you feel good about what you're doing? The way you're investing your life, this is a scam. And then the, the phone hung up. I mean there's lots of contests that one could be a part of this was one where i was going to be the winner now you've probably signed up for some contests and there, there are the variety of contests where you put your name in the hat usually it's through your cell phone you're going to win the jeep or the trip or the trip to go far far away or maybe even uh to win some cash prize right and you're trading your information it's a one-time deal and then what do you do well you just kind of cross your fingers and see whether or not you're gonna win. So that's one kind of contest. Another contest that you can enter is one that's gonna involve more than just kind of a one-time commitment. You're jumping into maybe an athletic venture where it's gonna take training and preparation. And it's not just once, you have to do it over and over again. And there's no wishful thinking in this. You're jumping in with this desire to win. More on contests later. To get to this point in Paul's letter of Romans, I just have to say, whew, the first 11 chapters of this long letter are dense. They're thick with theology. And in chapter 12, when we get here, he gets talking about our bodies and our minds and our life, and it's just kind of, ah, we get to look at some refreshing verses. I mean, it's been great, hasn't it? I mean, to hear this story of what God has done through the faith of Jesus Christ to open the door for us to have the righteousness of God, that we can jump on that pathway of trusting in God, in faith, confessing that that Jesus is Lord, believing that God raised Jesus back to life being able to be a part of that story, to reenact that story with our own lives, it's been great because we're able to see that the bond that sin wants to have with us, that our mistakes that are always there kind of claim sway over us, they don't have any power. That's behind us. They're dead. And even last week, just the notion that God invented disobedience, created disobedience as a prison for all of us, for religious people, for irreligious people. The good or those that we might think of as bad, all of us are locked and imprisoned in disobedience, Romans 11:32), 32, so that God can show mercy to all. I mean, that's good stuff. That's exciting good news message that people need to hear and wanna hear. And so today, we're gonna look at three things. We're gonna look at what are we supposed to do with our bodies and minds based on all that we've heard. And we're going to see, secondly, how it is that we're supposed to involve ourselves with other people. How are we connected to them? And then third, we're going to look at what the outcome is of this kind of an integrated life. So those are the three places that we're going. The first one we'll start with comes in verse one and two. And this, this is where we try to figure out what are we supposed to do with our bodies and our minds? And Paul gives it to us you are to be a living sacrifice. Boom. How about that? There, there's your answer. Be a, a living sacrifice? I mean, what does that even mean? We look back and we think about how they might hear it in, in a human sacrifice? Is that what Paul is saying? This group of people would have understood about sacrifice, specifically the Jewish, the Israelite, the Hebrew people. They, they had that in their past where they'd sacrificed a bird, a lamb, a cow, and offered this as a gift to God. Sometimes laid on the altar as a holocaust offering. A holocaust just means burned up entirely. It's a gift that you give to God. It's burned. You walk away having given that gift. Sometimes it's an offering that was meant for you to eat a part of it, or even to give more frequently, as a gift to the priest, where a priest could stick the fork in the meat, whatever was pulled out would be the gift to that priest. So they were familiar with sacrifices, but a human sacrifice? That's weird. That's odd. How are we supposed to do that? And it is new. Paul is giving something new. In the Greek version of the Old Testament, you don't see the connection of body, human body, and sacrifice. Animal sacrifice, yes, but but us as humans, that's not. So, this is a different kind of sacrifice, a living one. We don't have our throats slit, blood pouring out. We don't have we're not placed upon an altar or burned up. It's not that kind of a sacrifice because it's a living sacrifice. It's an alive sacrifice of how we're supposed to live in our everyday life. It's not totally surprising to us. In Romans 6, we learn about this connection of death and life, where we're supposed to die in the waters of baptism, just like Jesus died. And we come up out of that water and are resurrected to a new life as we reenact this together story of what Jesus did of living, dying, and being resurrected again. So it's not strange to think about death being connected to life, but it's definitely a spiritual life that begins. So in this first one, we're presenting our bodies to God as a sacrifice. We're showing up. I'm offering me to God. That's what God asks us to do. And it is as maybe, I don't know what your version says, this is our spiritual act of worship. Your version might say your appropriate act of worship or your true act. It's kind of hard to know what to put in there because it's not a religious term. It's not at all. It's actually your rational act of worship. It's where you are bringing yourself, your mind, your body all together in daily life offered as a sacrifice. Well, Brady, it just still sounds a little weird. I can't quite picture what it means for me to offer myself as a sacrifice. Well, I think we're not too strange to this. It's not too unfamiliar. We present ourselves all the time as sacrifices. We offer ourselves when we sit down for an hour and we watch The Bachelor or The Voice or stranger things, right? When we, when we sit down, we're investing ourselves, we're presenting our bodies to whatever it is we're, we're gonna watch. Same thing with a contest. I don't know what contest you've most recently, most recently signed up for, but you are giving away your, usually your cell phone number, probably your email address, your physical address, so that for now and forever or more, they'll be able to call you or email you, or send you stuff in the mail, right? We transact, and we've presented ourselves, and we've given something of ourselves away. When we sit down at the tattoo parlor, and we have the next creation put on us, we're presenting our bodies, we're presenting ourselves to another. When we scroll on our devices, we're being in tune to that device. And the way that Paul talks about this is it's kind of like if you have molten liquid metal, or maybe even plastic. It gets into a very liquid form and you're able to pour it into all kinds of things. Maybe you create cable or network line. Maybe you create a phone case or a computer screen. Whatever that substance is, it takes on the, sh- the form and the shape of another. When we present ourselves to things, we're being formed and metamorphosized in ways that we don't always know. Okay, well, that's one element, our body. He talks about our minds, too. Our minds are meant to be renewed. Now, we, we often don't think about how much our mind can get our bodies where it needs to go. We are thinking things. And there's a part of our lives where we just have to show up. We have to put ourselves physically in a place to go to work, to go to worship, to be present in our family or on our team. There's also a mental aspect of this. Engaging ourselves mentally, making decisions about what we're going to do. If you find yourself down or depressed, it's important to realize that our mind has an influence in that. That we can make a decision about what we're going to focus in on. Are we going to focus on joy? Are we going to look at those things that, in our, that are in our life that we can be thankful for or give gratitude to? It's easy when we're down to focus in on all the things that are not working, the pieces that are not coming together. And when you let your mind be directed to those things, that will take your body, it will take your spirit there to sadness, to sorrow. But if you choose joy, if you choose to do the homework assignment. I mean, sometimes isn't that what it's like, kids? Take, take school home and you've got to just do it. I've got to get a couple of these math problems done just to get rolling and see how many you can get through. Sometimes it's a decision to be true to a friend. Don't really know if they're still a friend because of things that you've heard. How is it that you can be true to that friend despite what you've heard, despite what you might know? There's a part of this that requires our bodies showing up. There's also a part of this, if it's integrated, where our minds must bring us there as well. All right, so that's the first one, about how our bodies and minds are to be presented to God. The second one takes that integrated self to a new level. This is about how we have many parts in our body, but yet it's one body. And Paul kind of gear shifts on us and takes this image where we've been thinking about ourselves and our body, the integrated mind, and he says, okay, you're a body, but you're connected to other people. You're not by yourself. You are in the body of Christ. And so if you really want to be a truly integrated person, you can't do it on your own. You can't be a separated body part. You must be together. I want you to know that you're not alone in this world. You're very connected to others. You could probably think in, in your own experience just what is influencing you? Who are the influencers? Those voices that you listen to on those screens, over those airways, how are they shaping what you're feeling, what you're thinking? If we think that we're really and truly just an isolated person all by ourselves, I want you to think about The organs of your body perhaps some of you have had to deal with a family member who was an organ donor and so maybe they die and essentially almost immediately you're being asked okay what about these body parts these she was an organ donor so what are you going to do and you have to make a decision because some of those organs have to be acted on in minutes or hours to be of use sometimes a day But those organs, when they're not connected to a body, they don't have much life. They must get connected to the nourishment and the life that the body offers. And the same is true for us. Where God had given Paul grace to let us know that each one of us has been given grace. And we can make choices about how connected we're going to be to our families, how connected we're going to be to our, our work team or our staff, But Paul invites us to think about our together status, to realize that we have something to offer that only we can offer to that team, to that group. And leaders, sometimes leaders function as the discernment piece, the mind piece. Next week, we're gonna have our congregational meeting where you'll hear some of what you've been up to and some of what we'll be up to in the future. And leaders have to make some decisions about what we do and what we don't do. So a lot of us will come and say, well, I have the gift of of laser light hologram eagles and American flags and fog, and I would really like to work that into the worship service. And leaders have to say, you know, that that may be true, that God has blessed you with that hologram fog ministry, (laughs) but our mission is following Jesus, and so we're probably not going to do that. Now, that's kind of more of a strange one, but We all have things that we offer, and leaders help the body discern what it's going to be about. All right, if I tie these two points together to help us see it, in the first verse, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I don't know how long it's been since you've been in English, but to present our bodies, plural, meaning lots of them, as a living sacrifice, meaning one. So here in this room, we are many bodies, lots of people, but we're gathered in one room. In this together story, we are together as one in Christ Jesus. Christ is the one who matters. We bring ourselves, we bring our gifts, and yes, you can live on your own. You can live like an organ, a lung, or a heart, or an eyeball, But how long will you live as that disconnected body part on your own? Not very long. It's supported by the life of the body. Okay, the third one. So if we've got this notion that we're to be an integrated body, our mind and our body together, and we're connected to the body of Christ, connected to one another, what happens? What's the outcome of this? And Paul tells us this in verse 9. The outcome of a connected body is love. That's what it's all about. In fact, if you were looking for something to memorize, I'm going to give you some verses in this chapter that you could memorize and write down. The whole chapter would be worth downloading onto your heart, memorizing, if you can imagine that. All of chapter 12 is that good. But the message of the outcome of an integrated body is love. So in verse 9, we get things like a very general principle, a very general axiom that the outcome is avoiding evil and pursuing good. It shows up in verse 22 as well, 21. We are about avoiding evil. In fact, we're even clinging on, holding on for dear life to what is good, despising what is evil. In your life, you may not have a complicated system for how you make decisions on things. A real simple one that might seem too simplistic is what's the good that I can do in this situation? What is the good opportunity that's before me? How can I most function in a good way? I'll tell you, this is not about what's necessarily good for you. This isn't something that's going to always be good for your reputation. It may not improve your bank account. And it may fill up your schedule in ways that you do not initially plan. But what's the good that I can do? Paul really gets in our faces on this one with some uncomfortable practices that are very down to earth. If you really begin to look for the good, of how you might will what is good for another, it's only then that you're able to do crazy things like what he says in verse 15, to be able to bless those who persecute you. How about that for a challenging thing to try? To bless those who are persecuting you. The other side. The people who don't like you. To bring them to your table of blessing. Wow, think about any kind of leader right now. A political leader, a leader in business, if instead of tearing down and destroying, we were to bring them to the table of prayer and be able to bless those persecutors that are in our life, don't we all have them? Don't we all have people that we feel like are out to get us? And Paul is saying this craziness, that sometimes the good is to be able to bless those that are persecuting you, Now I wish Paul could move on. He doesn't move on. He stays right in our face with verse 17. Only when you're pursuing good are you able to be able to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Can you do that? Can you rejoice with those who are rejoicing when maybe you don't really share what they're rejoicing about? Paul stays in our face with verse 17. Only when you're doing good will you not seek to repay evil? Or verse 19, to seek vengeance on those who have done you wrong. Now, wait a second. That's not how we act. That's not even how most Christians act. We're supposed to pay back, aren't we? We're supposed to get vengeance. We're supposed to stamp out evil, right? That's what we're supposed to be about. In fact, if someone's going to slander me, then I'm going to slander them back. If they're going to do evil to me in this particular way, well, gloves are off. I'm going to do the same thing right back to them. And I feel justified, right? Because after all, I'm on the side of good. I'm on the side of doing what's right. No, 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 no. That's not how Paul acts. Paul describes maybe the biggest principle of all in the very last chapter, or very last verse of this chapter. To overcome evil by doing good So imagine this. It's not a great example, but if you're a wizard who's facing off against evil, you face off against evil with good. That's your weapon. That's what you're using. You do good in order to destroy evil. If you're only about repaying the evil that's been done to you, if you're only about seeking vengeance, if you're only about cursing the person who's cursed you in prayer, God, teach them a lesson then you are fighting evil with evil, and you will lose. Instead, Paul says, overcome evil by doing what is good. Well, verse 10 and 11, if you want the two verses that I'd love for you to to memorize, these would be the ones. Verses that point us towards outdoing one another and showing honor showing mutual love to one another. This is the contest that I'd really like you to sign up for. It's the one I want you to be a part of, to cling on to what's good around you and to point it out, to highlight it. That's the contest of outdoing other people by doing good. I mean, wouldn't this be fun if this was happening around here? I think of a lot of names. I think of of people that point out good in life, and one guy that comes to mind is Todd Zeter. Todd Zeter notices things that people do, and he draws out that good. He points to it. His wife Ann Zeter, same way. She'll drop you a card. She'll drop you a note. She'll send an email pointing out the good that you've done. Now, where does stuff like that come from? Husband and wife acting in that way. I think it comes from family like Sandra Zeter. Now, you may not know Sandra. Sandra's usually in our first service, but Sandra will write birthday cards and write notes of encouragement to people. And she is one who rather than focusing in on the negative that she could say about me or anyone else is focused in on the good and trying to draw them out. Now, what I'm not what I'm talking about is not something where you just give a blanket at a boy, and good job to everyone. Kind of a blue ribbon, everyone's a winner kind of approach. Now this is more serious than that. It's looking at the good that's in someone's life and lifting it up, praising it, drawing it out of your kid, out of your student, out of your persecutor, out of the one that's giving you the most grief. To look for that good and highlight it, shine a light on it, point it out. That makes a big difference. Well, I have to tell you, these, these people encourage me because with pen and ink or click and keyboard, they're sending out encouragement to people who are behind the scenes. And that's, that's the mission that I would want to invite you into. If I, if I really were a true leader, I think I would be confessing to you every week. And so I'll confess to you one failure. I think, sometimes I, as a leader, have stepped in and tried to do everything. Those of you that lead groups, those of you that lead different things, sometimes you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's easier to step in and to do and to cover all the bases yourself. And as a leader, that can be a point of failure where we just want to maintain efficiency instead of drawing people in to the opportunity of doing good to others. To make room for other people to serve. Because sometimes people just want to show up when there's a task to be done and then disappear when that task is not to be done. There there are a lot of great places to serve here at First Christian. And thankfully, we have many volunteers in all of them. If you're looking for a place to serve, you know, our kids' clubhouse during this 11 o'clock hour is a great one. It's also good to think about something like a trunk or treat this afternoon that you can be involved in being a leader of a group, or even involved in our worship ministry where we've got lots of places for people to serve and worship. Now, you may or may not have one of those type tasks, and I'd like you to be looking for those opportunities to serve. But there's one task that I want to give to all of us. I don't care who you are. If you are a longtime member, if this is your, your frequent attender, or if this is maybe your first or second time, I have something that I want you to do. At first, you know, if you've been here for two or three times, then you're, you're a friend. You're, you're a, a fellow traveler in this journey with Jesus and following Jesus with us. So here's the task. I want you to outdo one another in showing honor and showing love. Whoever you are, when you show up to make it your mission, maybe you're not on the board to do Kids Clubhouse or your group isn't meeting this week, but whoever you are, your mission is to outdo other people in showing honor. You know who I think of when I think about this? I think of Jason Helm. Jason Helm has a way of grabbing onto people. If you're a teenager, you've probably met Jason Helm. He will latch onto you like glue. He is spastic, he's overwhelming, and he's just wanting people to feel valued. If you've walked in the door of this church, then you've met someone like Sally Driver. Who wants to make sure everyone feels welcome and she'll be giving you a hug and you'll think is this my long lost auntie D- do i know her i don't know that i've ever met her before and yet the love that she shows in making people feel welcome is contagious so if you're looking for something to do that's the challenge i've got for you and maybe it will take you writing down in your own handwriting romans chapter 12 verse 10 and 11, to see those verses, to let them wash over you, where you're not going to be the kind of person who lags in zeal. How do those words even belong together? Who's not lagging in zeal? Who's not slow in being swift? Who's not backward in being forward? It's kind of a weird phrase. Don't lag in zeal. Be zealous. Be strong to move forward. Ardent in spirit. Another great word. Passionate. A cooking word. A boiling fire word. If you find yourself lacking zeal, not feeling that burning, cooking, warm heart, if you felt kind of cool in your relationship to God, or just kind of feel an overwhelming sadness, and I've got a little secret you may be focused on yourself. You may be trying too hard to work on yourself. And God is calling you out of your mind, out of your body, and into the together community, into the story of what we're doing, inviting you to think about other folks. So I hope you will join me in being a person that is devoted in prayer every day for this group of people, who is looking for ways to serve in God's kingdom. Not mine. I'm not over it. We're looking to serve in God's community of faith, this together story. And we'll do that by presenting our bodies as one living sacrifice, not being conformed and poured into other patterns that are out there, but being renewed by our minds to get our mind and get our body toward the good that needs to be done. Ardent in spirit, resilient and focused on what God is doing in this world. In simple, I'm wanting you to join the contest of being an outdoer. An outdoer of love. Let's pray. Eternal God, thank you Thank you for the faithfulness of Jesus that opens the door for our own faith. Father, help us today, whoever we are, whatever station in life we might find ourselves, whatever might have led us to stumble into First Christian today, to redevote ourselves to doing the good, the best good that is right in front of us. Even if it doesn't help our reputation or our bank account or our schedule, Help us to outdo one another in showing love so that they will not see us but so that they will see your goodness. We thank you for what you've shown us through Jesus who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.